Good day! And welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? That is the sound of uh, me taking a crack at this roster and seeing who the hell's on the team. Learn some new names. Learn some new names. Emery Jones. Didn't know who that was. Xavier Henderson. No clue. All I know is they connected for a lot of touchdowns, a lot of receiving yards, and it turned out to be a great day to be a transfer at the University of Cincinnati on the football team. It's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. Indeed it is. Oh, you're not even drinking a Cincy Light. I, I could have sworn you were going to pull into the screen with a Cincy Light. save those for the weekend. Run it back. I save those. Run it back. I save those for game day. I only get so many here in Brooklyn, so they're special. But there are now cans of Cincy Light floating about in recycling centers somewhere in New York because I have spread them throughout the city as we we walked the walked the city while we watched the football game this weekend. You sent me a video of your younger brother, a basically the alter ego Hummer, taller, more handsome, much less vocal. Quiet. <laughs> he was shotgunning a beer with his girlfriend, with a beautiful backdrop of Manhattan. Were were they shotgunning Cincy lights? <laughs> She was shotgunning a Cincy Light. I had taken the last Cincy Light. And so my brother had the pleasure of shotgunning a pumpkin beer. Oh. A pumpkin beer in like 82 degree weather. Tis the not season. The, not, not the weather. Might be the season, not the weather. Tis the season to shotgun pumpkin ale. Da, da, da. <laughs> No, not into it. Not into it. Uh, I was impressed, though. I, I you know, you, you can't you can take the, the boys and girls out of Hamilton. Can't take the Hamilton out of the boys and girls. You know, a little shotgun with a little class of, of the New York City skyline. It was it was a good day. Uh, Those are- but then we yeah, we grabbed a seat. We grabbed a seat in the park. We propped up the iPad. We cracked a few more beers and we watched the we watched the bear, uh, the Bengals, the Bengals game, the Bearcats game. Uh and what we saw didn't disappoint. There can't have been more than 20 beer shotgunned in New York City history. And when you do them, you're probably <laughs> supposed to hold a pinky up. Let's <laughs> Pinkies up, gentlemen. Let's, let's get into what happened this past weekend. We actually have real football on a field. Hummer, as you heard at the opening here, is officially learning the roster. He's being introduced to who is throwing passes, who's catching passes, Who's running the ball is a bit more familiar, but it's nice that you're finally taking some time and getting to know your new beloved Cincinnati Bearcats roster. And boy, did they put on a show for you. 66-13. Bearcats 66, Eastern Kentucky 13. Everything went right in this game, Bummer. Everything went right from the jump. 21-point first quarter, 21-point second quarter. Emory Jones is setting the world on fire on pace for just, you know, an absolutely historic game in Cincinnati Bearcat history. That was a historic performance. He was the newcomer of the week in the Big 12 Conference. He, you know, was like a top two, top three quarterback in terms of QBR in in the Big 12. I think only uh, Dylan Gabriel outpaced him against the lowly Butch Jones Arkansas State team. Watching this game, knowing that you were meh. What did you? What was your reaction? I, I, I got to stop you here. What was your reaction watching Butch Jones on the sidelines uh, crying, getting for, uh, just in utter shock of what was happening to, to Arkansas State? Being consoled by a player, you know, being consoled, tapped on the shoulder. <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I still stalk x.com occasionally and i think mo ager said it best when it all he retweeted the image of butch jones longingly 
staring at a football field while trailing what 68 to nothing and and all he retweeted was i'm sorry all he re-xed was hold the coach and that that sums it up butch jones has has fallen from grace and it was it wouldn't be the last time fortunately for bearcat fans it would not be the last time you got to see a former cincinnati bearcat uh head coach stare blankly on the sideline befuddled at them at their team being dismantled by the opponent brian kelly got his ass kicked as well hummer it who, was who, it was who, in fact a great day better? to be a cincinnati bearcat fan this weekend who, who wore those l's better <laughs> nothing tops brian kelly being despondent on the sideline <laughs> nothing tops it uh, but you look, hey, you are you are notably disaster. I, I don't want any more filibustering. You are a noted skeptic. You are have been meh on Scott Satterfield, no matter what he's done since being hired by John Cunningham. And this man, all he did was come out and led the Bearcats to an absolute dynamite performance in game one. He's got the city on fire. He's got the fan base you know, reignited, pumped, ready for the future. What say you about this debut coaching performance by one Scott Satterfield? Look, I I said this before about a a certain coach in Cincinnati Bearcat lore that, you know, they should build a statue. They should get the Hall of Fame ready. And I, I would like to point out that he too started his tenure off with a massive blowout. A hundred points dropped on St. Thomas Moore. Uh, that's John Brandon, ladies and gentlemen. A, an excellent start to his coaching career, but we know how that turned out. This is EKU. I do got to give the props where credit is due. Emory Jones looked great. He was hitting Hernandez in stride. It was, you know, he, he was like he was waiting on the ball. His arm seemed solid. He's able to run the ball. It was, it was fantastic. A fantastic uh, turnout for for him. Uh, but I do want to. I just want to say, caution. It's EKU. It's a, not a good football team. It's it's by all measures, this was a game that you're supposed to win. So I'm still. I want to see what happens next week against the likes of Pitt. I want to see where we go, even against Miami. I, I want to. I, I just got to see more of it before I'm ready to jump all on the saddy daddy train and ride, ride and eat my words. Uh, but all in all, I mean, you can't argue with this performance, but I keep going back to this EKU, right? He did beat the spread. You know, the, the spread was set, I think 21 and a half may went up to 22 and he covered it. So, you know, as of right now, I got really nothing negative to say about him except that, I'm keeping reminding of who this first opponent was. What did we really see? Was this the equivalent of an exhibition game? Or is EKU, you know, some sort of real deal that down the road they're gonna they're gonna come out and actually show that they were a decent football squad? So not only are you unwilling to praise Scott Satterfield after this sixty six point performance, you know, I, I when we did our, our pre- I, I praised him. I, I said, by all accounts, this was a good football game. When we did our preseason it's just, I'm review. Looking back, I'm just looking at the EKU, who, who they are. You gave very indirect praise, but not only did you do that, you simultaneously compared him to John Brandon while you erroneously said we dropped 100 points on Thomas Moore. We did not drop... 100 points on Thomas Moore. We beat Thomas Moore in an exhibition game, not a regular season game. In an exhibition game, we won 79 to 36. And in that game, the leading scorer for the Cincinnati Bearcats, aka the Emory Jones of this Thomas Moore performance, was one Chris McNeil. So are you also comparing Emory Jones' dynamite performance where Every pass was on point. This guy threw a gorgeous deep ball, hit receivers in stride. He could run the ball. He extended plays. He was scrambling in the red zone. He's running in touchdowns. They're going forward on fourth down multiple times in the first few possessions to score touchdowns both times. And yet all you can muster 
is a is a comparison to one John Brandon, who's probably enemy number one in the Cincinnati Bearcats fan base. That's all you can muster up is a comparison. Is. You are doing yourself no favors, sir. He John Brandon is enemy number one. Scott Satterfield is not an enemy of Cincinnati at all. It's just funny. Huh? All Look, I'm here's what's all funny. I'm I need to say this. It's like, I want to, I'm excited that we won. I had a lot of fun watching this game. The Bearcats looked really good against EKU. They looked amazing against EKU. And I'm really happy that we looked amazing against EKU. But it was EKU, right? So I'm more excited to see how we're going to play next week against Pitt, where we're, I think, an underdog by eight points, seven and a half points. I think it opened right? it, opened at ex- seven, moved up to eight at one point. Where is it sitting right now? I don't know the answer. I'm, I'm not exactly sure where it's at right now, but I'm more excited to see how we play this week than I am against EKU. I really want to see, is this team good, great, or better, right? You know, this this, this next week is a real test, I think, of what, what we're going to see. Is this the real deal? Are we going to be looking at that season where it's, you know, the win total is over six? Or is that, is that a real possibility? I think next week's going to tell us a lot. Or I guess this week, not next week, this week. This coming week at Pitt, a, and obviously a matchup with uh, historical uh, significance. Lots of great memories at Pitt. That's a place that you go back to and you're that. like, you know I what? At the last one. That's right. You get. I'll give you a chance to reminisce about that day at some point. I don't want to do that yet, but I do want to make sure we're circling back to that that moment and giving you a chance to reflect on what was probably a uh, a highlight of your live sports watching life. I'll say this: it's like playing in the American Athletic Conference last year when you have opponents like EKU. It's the same as playing Tulsa. It's the same as playing East Carolina. There's, it's a lose-lose. You know, you're supposed to win these games. There's very little you can do to quote-unquote impress. But when it's your debut performance, when there's been as much roster turnover as there has been, when you have a relative, not necessarily an unknown at quarterback, but a guy that's been an enigma. He struggled at Arizona State under Herm Edwards. It was a disaster. He struggled at Florida, which is a program that's been in disarray for for years now, ever since Urban Meyer left. Emory Jones came in, and, and Scott Satterfield, who has been known as a quarterback whisperer, had him looking like a Heisman candidate in his very first performance. And what you can't ignore are, are folks like Bill Conley of ESPN, who does the SP Plus rankings, who after week one, who said it's never too early to share the resume, SP Plus rankings. Week one top resumes, the number one team in the country is the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. It's a super small sample. It's hardly something we need to hang our hat on and and leap to conclusions on. But if you are going to play someone like EKU in your first game of the season, this is what you want to see, hum. And so when you spend all offseason saying, I'm meh, doesn't matter how well he's recruiting. I'm meh. This guy's meh. I'm skeptical. This this isn't doing it for me. All we've seen so far in our, in this short season, this 12-game season, is Scott Satterfield set the world on fire. I figured we would get more excitement. I figured we'd get more joy. I figured we'd get more Hall of Fame declarations. What? Where Where has the old Hummer gone? What's happened to you? <laughs> Wait till the end of the podcast. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm more excited about what what I'm gonna see next week. I'm excited to see the quote unquote upset of Pitt again in Pittsburgh. Like if we see what we saw against EKU and they can replicate that against a Power Five team, then boom, baby! Like I'm ready to I'm ready to I'm ready to declare the world officially set on fire. Yeah, I I will say you know this result, you know. Maybe I'm not putting enough stock into it. You know, when you see other other teams, especially like Georgia, for some reason, every year seems to struggle uh, with inferior competition. Uh, but maybe that's just the style of their play, the defense, wear them down, then and then beat them late. Uh, but they struggled against UT Martin for for most most of the game. 
Um, Clemson just got dog dog whipped by by Duke. It's it's dog walked. It's dog walked. Dog whipped, baby. Uh, they got they got honey dicked. <laughs> it wasn't a honey dicking either. Got to get Joe back on the podcast to explain honey dicking. Oh, they were just oh god, losing it. Um. So maybe I am not putting enough stock stock and giving enough credit as due, and I'm fine with that. I'll I'll wait to eat my words next week when the Bearcats roll into Pittsburgh. They take was if well, it's not even Heinz Field anymore. It's Acrisure Field. When they take Acrisure Field by storm, they just go in and just absolutely dominate. Uh, we replicate. Uh, uh, fuck my life right now. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you have had I didn't think it was possible there <sighs> there <laughs> you may have had too many Cincy lights I didn't think it was possible no. you may have had too many Cincy lights I'm just so I was trying to remember and making sure because um why am I just I'm, I'm drawing the blank here the the pike the bins uh it was pike pike the bins there <laughs> I didn't get enough sleep last night, right? That that fantasy draft came, it went. I had to log off. I was angry. It was like eleven thirty, eleven fifteen. Woke up at five forty-five. I'm just losing it. I'm losing it. You are. You are losing it. This this podcast might be washed. It might be time to disband it. TBD. Um, almost happened. It did almost happen. It almost happened three days ago. Um, look, we. We read the tea leaves in Justin Williams' article, and I thought it—I thought it was revealing that there were quotes in there from coordinators about Emory Jones and the need to learn the playbook. And to me, historically, when you read things like that, it can add up to this guy might look uncomfortable in this offense. He might not have a feel for what's going on here. They might scale things back and not be as aggressive and play it more conservative. And in this first game, they did the opposite. They were throwing the ball all, all, all over the field. They're going for it on fourth down, which to me is a sign of, of absolute confidence. And it's a way for the coach to say, not just going for it on fourth down, going for the deep ball on right. fourth down. Going for the jugular. We're going deep. We're scoring tutties. And, and it's a clear way for Scott Satterfield and his staff to say, this is our mentality this season. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to, to you know, grab your throat, hold on to it, and squeeze throughout the duration of a game. We're not going to take our foot off the gas. They're a position group that I had a lot of questions about. I love the Cat Skeller Social Club Discord. I love it. It's a fun place to be, to hang out. It's a way to get away from the propaganda that exists elsewhere. And it's healthy. I'm going to tell folks this. It's healthy to hear alternative perspectives, perspectives that aren't necessarily influenced by access. And I had a healthy skepticism over the wide receiver group. And when I pictured this offense, despite all of the hype and hoopla around what Scott Satterfield has done historically as an offensive mind, I look at the turnover on the roster, the unknown commodity in Emory Jones. And most importantly, what I saw as the, the key departures in our skill positions with Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, like all these really high performance, you know, great weapons at the receiver and tight end position leaving. And not only just leaving, but leaving for the NFL. Like these are legit dudes. And you watch spring practice, you hear about the reports out of spring practice from, from the likes of Justin Williams, and you hear, hey, the wide receiver position is a little bit of a disaster right now. And this game, didn't that did not appear to be the case at all. Xavier Henderson is a fucking dude. That guy jumped off the screen as a guy who can beat you deep, as a precise route runner, as a guy who can make catches, catches in traffic. I was thoroughly impressed with what Satterfield and his staff have brought in 
and Xavier Henderson, who was a teammate of Emory Jones at Florida. This is, you know, and he wasn't alone, but but I do think we, we should talk about Henderson and what he could be unlocking for this offense. That that was a big deal and someone that I was clearly underselling as, a, as an addition for this team. I mean, I want to take that uh, a step further and, you know, exclude Xavier from, from this conversation and look at what the rest of the team was. Look how much they spread the ball around. Look how many different people got involved in not just the, the rushing, rushing action, but receiving you had, I'm counting now three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other individuals get involved in the passing game. You know, you had a lot of people getting involved and they may have only caught one pass, but it might've been, it was a long one. Right. He, and like you mentioned before, Emory Jones, incredibly accurate, only missed four throws all day. Um, so I'm, I'm actually really, you know, when you're thinking about it, really impressive watching them get the ball around, not necessarily just relying on Xavier, even though he was the, you know, getting the most targets, getting the most, you know, the most ball thrown his way, you know, other people getting involved. Cause we're going to need that too, going, going, going down as we get to the better talent, uh, you know, they're going to try and start figuring out once the tape comes out, how to stop Xavier. So I really, really happy to see that we're, we're mo- we can move the ball around the different players. Also glad to see that they were experimenting with, with the run game, getting Corey Kiner involved, watching him rip off a, a one for 54 yards was very surprised with, is he just, he's just a big, big dude. He's pretty slow. He got, he got chased down. <laughs> Are you talking about Kiner? I mean, he's, Yeah. Yeah, but we we talked about that last year with Kiner, and and it was we talked about it through the perspective of hey, we got spoiled by Jerome Ford and the idea that anytime a running back gets into the secondary, they run away from the secondary. That's not actually normal. What Jerome Ford did was not actually normal. What Corey Kiner did is more normal, right? You're a big bruising back. Maybe you're not going to run away from the five ten, you know, one ninety five defensive back who's who's got elite speed. I don't, I think that's okay. You're wrong. Still very, I was still very impressed. I was, I'm not, it's not a criticism. I was just like, you were right. We were spoiled. I'm sitting there thinking like, just go faster. <laughs> I, I'm trying to find the uh, exact ranking. I think, you know, when Dan Horde sent the, the X earlier this week, he, he mentioned the fact that. Are they really called X's? Is that what you call them now? They're not called tweets. They're not called tweets. I promise you that they're called posts. I reposted, I re reposted. Um, at one point he was, I, I thought he might've been the first, let's say he's between the first and fourth ranked PFF wide receiver with at least 20 snaps. You know, I think with 20 snaps or more, Xavier Henderson was the highest graded receiver in college football. And so I'm, I get it. It's Eastern Kentucky, but this was an emphatic performance, an extremely impressive performance that by any standard measures on a national scale. And it's not going to get you necessarily the buzz and hype because of who the opponent was. There's not a lot of prestige in the victory. And clearly we talked about the opening line with, with a minus seven pit minus seven on the road. Like they're not necessarily looking at UC as a real deal team at this point. I, my mindset has changed where I go into the pit game skeptical maybe a little unconfident. And instead I'm going into this game like, damn, damn, there might be something here. And this team might be ready to pull another upset out of the bag on the road at Pitt. You back? did i cut out (laughs) you you cut out um i mean if you go back to what i just said like i'm really excited about this weekend this is where i think like yeah we couldn't go in and pull the ups and if we do then great i now know exactly i think where this team stands that we're a pretty good team that we're gonna have a, a the season that we all want where it's at least six wins is what what we determined to be good but if we, which I don't think this will happen, if we get smacked around by Pitt and we lose the game by you know two or three scores, then all right, we're probably in for a, a really bad season. I just don't think that's going to happen. 
I've, I would, I'm betting money on the cats this weekend. That's who I'm going with. And I'm not, and I'm taking the money line. I'm taking cats money line. I don't need the spread. I think the Bearcats are going to go in and win that game. So all I'm saying is though, is I kept saying, it's just, I am going in and saying this game was great. It was a almost, it was almost a perfect football game, right? It was so good that, yeah, there's just not a lot of complaint with how the Bearcats play. There's almost nothing to complain about the way the Bearcats played against EKU. So, but when we take it to a next the next opponent, now it's going to get interesting. Now I think we're going to have some things that we're going to complain about. Now we're going to see maybe where some weaknesses are, and we're going to see how the team overcomes that, and they're going to they're going to win the game against Pitt. I think it's a play. I think it's in play, and it was a near perfect performance. I think that focusing on how, again, opponent kind of limits your ability to analyze everything that's happening. My biggest takeaway is Emory Jones. There's something there. There's, there's, there's something there. Xavier Henderson. Wow. Wow. And Scott Satterfield's aggression and what the offense looked like, what the concepts looked like, pushing the ball down the field. Uh, the space for our running backs, all of that did, it, it was tantalizing. It was a tantalizing week one performance that says, it has me asking for more. Yes, I'll take a little more of that, please. Is it, uh, I guess, let me ask you a question. What's we, we think back to all of the, the past two, three years. Three, we'll go, let's go three years all the amazing success that we've been accustomed to with the Bearcats football team here, you know, with the previous regime and the constant uh, arguing, the constant, I don't even know what's the right word, blame, playing, playing the blame game from a play calling standpoint. 27 minutes until we get to the prior regime. Good job. Keep it up. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm, I'm more asking like, I don't think we had any of there was at any point in this game where you like what's I never once I wasn't actually finding myself saying oh why did he why did he do that why did he call that play I mean no. maybe if you miss the fourth and five on the deep ball then you're like oh why did you do it but like you love the aggressiveness and that's something actually that we did miss from the previous regime that we we criticized often about maybe not being aggressive enough with the previous regime. And now we're getting it. Right. I think there were moments that would have, that could have discouraged me. If on the opening drive, fourth and five in EKU territory, if the Bearcats punt, that would have been discouraging. If they get inside the five and it's fourth and goal. <laughs> if they do anything other than what they did and they just punt. It would have discouraged me. I would have, I would have said, wow, that's fucking cowardice. This sucks. He didn't do it. That would have been discouraging if he had. Inside the five-yard line, fourth and goal, we go for it. That, to me, is all encouraging. And to me, it's like I I thought there was a high potential of me being frustrated and kind of like eye-rolling what everything would look like. Because I have been more on the pessimistic side of Scott Satterfield since being hired. But everything I saw in the first game was encouraging. Everything I saw in the first game was, wow, this this was an exciting performance. Wow, you brought in guys that seemed to be doing exactly what you thought they were capable of. You know, Xavier Henderson is the guy that is like my muse right now. But Braden Smith was an explosive game breaker. Um, Aaron Turner, the transfer from Connecticut, you know, is a guy that like, you know, little little flashes of Trey Tucker in there. Um, D Wiggins, Barry Jackson, true freshman. Like there's just, that's a position I thought had nothing that was going to be just objectly bad. And, and it was, it was not, it was the opposite. And there was game breakers all over the field and Scott Satterfield coached in a very game breaker style. And as we talk, I, I realize, Oh my God, I might, I'm like becoming a Saddy daddy guy. It's this game is me on the verge of becoming a Saddy Daddy, Saddy Daddy guy. So does the Saddy Daddy go in the, to Evans 
Evan's ear and go, I'm a quarterback whisperer. Guess what? You're not a quarterback. You're a wide receiver, receiver, receiver. Yeah. Receiver. Right. <laughs> maybe I wasn't, maybe I was underselling his ability to bring in a guy like Emory Jones, who's been massively talented his entire career, and he's only played in dysfunctional systems. And he looks at him and says, Emory, come here. Look what I've done with quarterbacks. Look what I did with Cunningham and Louisville. Look at the numbers. Come here to UC. Year one, Big 12, big audience, big platform, raucous home field advantage. Come here. Let's see what you can do. And it right now, that bet for Emory Jones looks to be paying off. That bet by Scott Satterfield to say, hey, it's spring, and I know who my quarterback is. And Mr. Bryant, no matter how much Joe Barnett loves you, you got to go. You know, you got to go. By the way, Joe Barnett, I got a beef to pick with you. If you see that type of awful performance from Ben Bryant, and the first thing you can say is is use it, is, is to use that performance as a way to criticize Evan Prater, you got problems. You're the problem. Check yourself, bro. Check yourself. That's all I'm saying. This, Ouch. I'm just called him out directly. Joe, talking to you. <laughs> he's he's not even here to defend himself. I don't care. He's going to defend himself. He's going to call me or he's going to text me on the side or he's going to bring it up in the Discord and we're going to hash it out. But stop. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Stop it, Joe. <laughs> it's a good it was a good week to be a Cincinnati Bearcats football fan, Hummer. And it's it's also great that we don't have to slog through a bunch of these types of matchups. We're going on the road. We're heading to Pitt. And it's a chance to really get this thing humming in the right direction. Can you hum in a direction? You can because um, I don't know. I think I told you this. I have, in fact, secured tickets to Cincinnati versus Oklahoma on the 23rd. Uh, I'm getting my daughter baptized that Sunday, but made sure that I could come to uh, be around for one home game. And uh, a friend of mine came through, hooked hooked me up with some tickets. So we're going to be down tailgating. And so if, if the Bearcats do what I think they're going to do at Pitt, they're going to come home and just just absolutely destroy the Miami Miami's morale. Uh, they're just Miami's just going to be like, why, why do we play this game anymore? Why do we just like getting, getting beat all the time by Cincinnati? Uh, we used to be so good when Ben Roethlisberger was here, but you know, now, now we're the ones being penetrated with, without, without permission. Uh, so we're going to roll into Oklahoma on a high note. I was just going to call them masochists and you took it too far. I try to be delicate there. Is there anything else from that week one game that we that we should mention? Talk about again defensively. I think we didn't we didn't put a lot out there. There's the defensive line. It's got the goods, but they're not gonna they're not gonna show you the goods against Eastern Kentucky, and there's not much to measure them against. Pace is gonna have himself a hell of a season. I, that, that's happening. <laughs> The only thing we didn't we didn't touch on, and uh, if I get skewered for pronunciation, because we kept going back and forth on on the pronunciation here, Brady Lichtenberg. Yeah, there's just no way that's what it's pronounced. I, I always say Lichtenberg. Lichtenberg. Let us know I who's mean, right. Like Hummer's team Lichtenberg, which I've never heard someone say a name that way before. I, I'm just I'm just like phonetically going. Is it it's silent? Just, so it Lichtenberg. Just, to me, it says you never did a spelling bee. To say Lichtenberg means you never do spelling bees. I don't do spelling bees, uh, but he showed he showed on his limited limited snaps. He showed some promise too. He he showed the he showed the ability to air that baby out. A lot of fans missed that. I was driving back through Clifton at halftime at, from a piano recital, and a lot of fans were leaving, were abandoning ship. The heat was too hot. It was forty-two to seven at halftime, and I did not blame them in the slightest. And I, like them, did not. I did not stay dialed in for the entire game. I watched, you know, until about fifty. I guess what, what did we get to? We got to about fifty-six points, and then your man was like, "All right, I'm good." Okay. I mean, I didn't get to see. Lichtenberg. It was. It was. 
it was a little like a little out pattern. So it's not like he he got the ball upfield, and it was just you know phenomenal, uh, phenomenal run at that point uh, by Barry Jackson. He just he cut, he swerved, he crossed across the middle, got in the secondary, yeah. and that had I actually away. saw that play. That that had very little to do with your boy Lichtenberg. That had a, you that know, had a lot I to just, do with with Barry Jackson Jr. I'm going to give credit where credit's due. All right, you got to have the ball put in the right space. That he's running into the catch on that and being able to make a move after he catches it. So I'm going to give 25% credit to the QB, 75%. To Barry Jackson, this classic media bias. <laughs> well, Hummer, I, we've got about seven minutes remaining, and I want to give us. That, oh, you know what we're talking I about. I want to give us seven minutes to talk about something that's near dear to our hearts, folks. Deion Sanders is the real. <laughs> if you deal. want, yeah, if you want to tune out now, you can tune out. We made it this far. Deion Sanders is Deion the real Sanders. deal, and we need to talk about it, Hum. Um. I, mean, I don't want to talk about this. 11, Look, one in eleven. He 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 revamped, or he he basically walked in day one and said, "If you can't do it, there's the door. I I support your transfer. In fact, you should transfer. You're not my guy." And he brought in a slew of transfers. He he made the the waves about how you know this kind of always seems dysfunctional. And he comes out day one and beats a 17th ranked national runner up from last year's football season, TCU. Uh, Which, by the way, quick tangent. I said it on the preseason show with Viva and Go Beer Cats. I said it at the end of the national championship game. The TCU is now, has now lost two consecutive games. They lost the national championship game in embarrassing fashion, historic fashion, in a fashion where they should be ashamed of themselves. And they did not win the Big 12 Conference last year. They lost the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State. And now they start the they open their season and lose to, yes, a Deion Sanders coach team, but like you said, a team that went one and eleven last season. TCU should have fired Sonny Dykes. And it was a ridiculous ridiculous decision not to. And it will look more and more ridiculous as time goes on. Please continue. Well, so I will say that's an, I think that's an incredible feat by Dion there. And I, think, I do think there's a, a little bit ways to go before I'm ready to declare that he's going to be in the natural championship. They do have you know some of these recruits that he brought in, one being his own son, of course. You know, who looked amazing. Who looked, who amazing. looked unbelievable. He looked but almost as good as Emory Jones. Yeah, almost as good. I did go look up Emory Jones' Heisman odds, and it's still like plus 15,000. So get them get early while you can. Might be time. <laughs> uh, no, I do, I do think the, um, Deion Sanders, I think that Colorado has, has some work to do. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, but here's the thing that strikes me the most, right? He beats number 17 ranked TCU and you know, they, they're showing his, his halftime speech or they're showing his pregame speech. And, you know, he's just, you see that he's an incredible motivator, but then he's on the TV circuit, man. He's already recruiting for next year on a national level like that is what they got with coach prime. They got someone that the media wants to talk to and that the media wants to put in front of a camera. They want to cover him. They want to talk about him. Recruiting juice. He's leading every national show from a conversation standpoint. He is Colorado is nationally relevant on the same level as Alabama and Ohio state and the biggest powerhouses in college football. They are a national brand instantly while Deion Sanders is their head coach. And this is why, and it's worth revisiting, it was lunacy to think there was a lot of risk 
in hiring Deion Sanders. The only risk that truly exists with Deion Sanders is the idea that he might be here for the short term. But guess what? Most coaches are. A lot of coaches are leaving and taking other jobs these days. This guy brings a level of media attention and was opening the floodgates to to earnings and revenue potential that very few coaches can mimic. He's number two at this point behind Saban in that regard. Like this is a level of brand recognition and brand cachet that can't be rivaled in college football right now. And I saw a joke online about the two-handed grab of opposing players after the game where he's saying, I see a lot of potential in you. And he's going to destroy the portal. He's going to break it. He had more portal transfers this year than any other program. And he's going to continue doing that year after year. It's, it's a movement. It's wild to see. And I just, it's not, I don't even, I'm not talking about this as a way to just shade you see for not even trying though. It's probably warranted, but it's just interesting and fascinating to see. And it's, to me, something worth celebrating. It's exciting. It's he's he's gonna change. He's he himself though. This is where I caution. I read an article. I forget who it was by, but like, oh, he's gonna change college football, and people are gonna try to mimic him with basically telling people to hit the portal and revamping their roster every year. And I'm like, well, let's pump the brakes. This is Deion Sanders. He is a guy who is charming. He's a guy who is cool. He's a guy who is a leader, a motivator, a star football player, a star baseball player. He's been, he's, he's Mr. Everything. People want to be around Deion Sanders. That is a very rare combination that you get with someone like him. But, and if you don't believe me, take a look at the level of, of, uh, of attention that surrounded Wisconsin this weekend. They beat Buffalo, but you don't hear people having, Luke Fickle on the national TV circuit talking about, you know, the turnaround of Wisconsin football. Saddy Daddy beats the snot out of EKU. Saddy Daddy's not bringing on being being brought on to, you know, the the Rome is burning. No, it's not happening. They're talking about Deion Sanders because it's Deion Sanders. That's the only reason they're doing it is because it's Deion Sanders. Credit credit He's to Colorado for not being afraid to go for it. That's that's what I think is worth pointing out. Yeah. This traditional old school media would have you believe that there's too much risk to go after a coach like Deion Sanders. And it was just it was bullshit from the jump. And, and we knew it. If you listen and we to said it, it there was oh. there was no risk. He was not he was not a high-risk coach or a high-risk hire. There was low risk because of everything that surrounds Deion Sanders and the attention and, and the money and the potential to lure top-end talent. He was already doing that at, at Jackson State. He was already bringing that type of talent in. And in terms of folks who want to, like, you know, if you want to clutch your pearls about transfers and, you know, pushing guys out and bringing guys in, guys, look at the Cincinnati Bearcats roster right now. Our leading passer who threw for five touchdowns and rushed for two more is a transfer, Emory Jones. Our leading rusher, our our leading rusher, Hummer, 13 carries for 105 yards. That's a transfer. Transfer. Our leading receiver, seven catches for 149 yards and a tutty. That's a transfer. Our second leading receiver, four catches for 72 yards and a tutty. That's a transfer. Our third receiver, D. Wiggins, a catch, 39 and a tutty. That's a transfer. That's what the game is. It's where it's going. And it's great that our coach, Scott Satterfield, is, is getting into that game and thriving in it and making the right calls and bringing in guys who can and thrive in that system. It means that, that Cunningham had the right idea in mind when he brought this, you know, Scott Satterfield in. I just want to make sure we're pointing out, too, that you know, there were some horrendous takes out there about Deion Sanders and essentially mocking people. I would say mocking people like us for daring to advocate for it and daring to think that it was a good idea, and daring to question John Cunningham for not making the effort. Because I would still say not making the effort is something you look back on and say was a mistake. You should have made the effort. We should have, we should have explored it as a potential pathway because there was so much. It was such a unique opportunity to make the University of Cincinnati 
a national brand, like a true national brand, leading talk shows, being discussed discussed nationally, and and that that in itself can be classified as a missed opportunity. But all that stuff that Deion Sanders is doing, and he's doing it loudly, and he's doing it proudly, that's what Scott Satterfield is doing too. And we should be happy about that because that's what college football is now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not unhappy. I just wanted – this is just a Dion tracker because, frankly, I find this fascinating. I find it exciting. I love what he's doing. I'm going to follow Colorado football as well because I, I think what he's doing is interesting. I like his personality. And, frankly, you listen to his pregame speeches. and Amazing. That's fantastic. Amazing. It's amazing. They're incredible. It's not about them. They're incredible. It's about us. We'll end it on a Bearcat note. The post-game celebration for the Cincinnati Bearcats, led by Scott Satterfield, interrupted by John Cunningham, who brings out a game ball and presents it to John to uh, Scott Satterfield and says, congratulations, coach. This is your moment. Um, first win as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. Congratulations. Scott Satterfield, with, with a lot less pizzazz, then, then someone like Deion Sanders holds the ball up and starts talking to the team and says, essentially, it's not about me. It's about the coaches in the room. It's about all the players in the room. It's about the staff and the people that surround this program, putting in the time, putting in the hours, caring about this program. We're family. It's, it's bigger than me, and it's always going to be bigger than me. The wins are bigger than me. The, even the losses, I think you said, are bigger than me. This is about the program. He says this to the team. And they, and they sign off by the entire roster singing the University of Cincinnati fight song, Cheer Cincinnati. That made me feel something. And in an era with transfer portals and roster movement and more business and money than we probably care to uh, see, that was actually a moment of, of Cincinnati pride, pride for the University of Cincinnati, pride for wearing red and black and gave me legitimate goosebumps. And I was proud to be a Cincinnati Bearcat in that moment. And I'm proud to cheer them on as they go to Pittsburgh and dismantle that decrepit fan base for another time. Dude, their fan base. Uh, I'll get it. I'll leave with the, the quick antidote. Uh, I don't know how quick. Anecdote or antidote? Well, I don't know. We're going to, maybe you need an antidote for my negativity. Uh, we decided way back when, uh, to, in 2009, to go to go up to Pittsburgh to go watch the de facto, you know, first Big East championship game, or maybe the only Big East, real Big East championship game. Uh, so we drive up, uh, we stay overnight, we go out, we hit up the, uh, I think it's the South Shore, North Shore, I forget what they call it. Either way, it's a line of bars that that lines the opposite side of the river from where the stadiums are. And we're, we're having a good time. Everybody's really friendly. The next day we wake up, we're kind of hungry. We're trying to find beer. Uh, I lived in Pennsylvania for six years, so I finally learned, I eventually learned how to do this. But in Pennsylvania, for those of you going to the game, they don't sell beer in most grocery stores. So like, you're more than likely not going to go to a Wegmans and, and find beer. There, there's a few, the, a handful that will. Uh, you have to go to a beer distributor or a wine store and liquor store to get beer in, or wine and liquor. They're separate entities. It's annoying. Um, but you'll look for a beer distributor. We kept getting people down direct. This is kind of before Google maps was really a thing, right? You can just pull up your phone and have reliable Google tell you where to walk to, but also because it doesn't just have a big sign. Some, some of them don't just say beer distributor. It's just like hidden. And so eventually we gave up and we just walked to a bar and the only bar we could find was the hideously decorated Jerome Bettis bar near Heinz field. And the guy, one of the guys there, a pit fan, honestly, was one of the nicest guys we met. He was like, oh, you guys have, I couldn't find beer, blah, blah, blah. He's, he's starting to hook us up. He's, he's feeding us some beers. He's, he's helping us get, get ready for this pregame. Um, and we end up going into the game, and everybody knows how it started, right? We, we go down. It's a horrible deficit. It's right before half. And the, the fans behind us start talking smack. And uh, – no, the, the seats that we were on actually happened to be at, for some reason, they had Bengals stickers on the actual seat. We did not put them there. So it was like, oh, coincidence. But uh, I just turned around and said, you know what, guys? I wouldn't be so cocky. There's a lot of football left to be played. And then Marty Gilliard does his thing. 
life ignites the uh, the comeback. We win, and we're singing. It's it's me, Sam Elliott, and Cam Pap, and we're walking down the aisle, and we're singing the alma mater, the fight song. And some old Pittsburgh fan like runs up, or not runs up, but he's walking with us, and like basically pushes us and tells us that you need to calm down, young men. And we just kind of look at him like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. We won. Uh, it was probably one of those, the greatest live sporting sporting events I've ever been to. Uh, when when Pittsburgh missed the extra point, and we looked back and we just said, "You guys just lost the game." That's exactly what we said to that guy who was talking about it. You guys just lost the game. You gave us a minute and thirty something seconds is way too much time to give this offense to go down the field and score a touchdown. And that's what we did, and we won the game. And then we stopped by a bar on. We stopped by a bar on Columbus to go watch the end of the Texas game. Uh, and when they brought that field or the, the Colt McCoy throwing it out of bounds, play back so they could redo the field goal, some horns douchebag comes up and gives us the horns at the table. Like, Hah! and we're just like, cool, dude. <laughs> like, that's what it took. That's what it took. <laughs> like, you guys should, you guys should not have won that game. <laughs> but cool. Have fun. Uh, but no, that was fun. I'm I'm excited for everybody well, going to that pick game. Pittsburgh is is a it's a beautiful city. Um, it does stink of Steeler of Steelers fans everywhere. Uh, but the the ballpark area is pretty cool. There's lots of bars and restaurants. But I implore you to go to the other shore. There's a subway system that'll take you there and back. Hang on, and we're not ending the down, fucking up, up podcast the with a review of Pittsburgh. We had such <laughs> momentum. Climaxing toward that's a finish. That's such a great way. End, that is a great way to end it. And you're ending it with like, you know, go uh, enjoy, go enjoy a review of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. What is happening right now? Go. What go are we doing? Trip to Pittsburgh. You know what? I want feedback on this ending because sometimes Hummer has a finger on the pulse, and and I don't, and I think I do, but I don't. And Hummer is like a man of the people, and people just want to hear what Hummer has to say. I need to know if Hummer was actually closing in this in a way that people wanted to hear it. And if so, I will seed future closings to Hummer. But today, we're closing it by <laughs> singing Cheers Cincinnati. Around. We're, che- we're singing. We're singing. are the people who are going to Pittsburgh. They're listening to this on their drive to Pittsburgh. <laughs> no, everybody turned this off the minute they heard us say Deion Sanders. But we are going to end it by singing <laughs> Cheers Cincinnati opening verse. Cheers, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincy will win. Fight, Fight till the finish. Never give in. You do your best, boys. boys. We'll do the rest, boys. Onward to victory. Go Bearcats.